I would say to parents, you know what? You can't take shortcuts here. You got to do the hard work of living what you want them to learn. Live what you want your children to learn. You ain't been there, and then you ain't, and you ain't just this or did that. It don't matter. Just love on them. Or love yourself. So you have to go back and love on them. It's okay. Whatever love on them. When you look back on your life, what's one thing you needed to hear your father say? And, um, that's my experience. And I can only go off of whatever I, I've experienced for almost a decade. Persistence. Persistence don't get you where you gotta go. How's it going, everyone? And thanks for joining. You are now tuned in to Fatherhood Fridays Season 5 with your host, your narrator, your MC, as always, Chalmer, on the one, not the two, giving it through to you through my iPhone 8 Plus. Um, how is it going in 2021? I know we're trying to um, get past 2020 and the many things that we have went through, but we are here, dads. We are here, fathers, stepfathers, mothers, grandmothers, young men and women, and whoever else is listening today. Um, and today we are going to be talking uh, about finances and from the perspective of a financial advisor by the name of Jim Degatano. Degatano. I did not want to mispronounce <laughs> it. Jim Degatano out of Pennsylvania. And he's going to be talking, giving us some financial advice on how to better save our money, how to better invest our money. And not only that, he has created two books, uh, a children's book called Larry the Bunny Saves Money, as well as a book for newly retirees. Uh, without further ado, allow me to welcome uh, Jim. How are you doing today, man? I'm doing great, Chalmer. How are you? Man, I'm doing really good, man. I am doing really good, man. Just trying to uh, get my ducks in order financially. That seems like a never-ending battle. And so <laughs> what better person to talk to than a financial advisor such as yourself? That's right. It's a good time. We're all looking uh, to look past uh, and have 2020 behind us and look forward to 2021 and what better way to, to get your, your plan on track, right? Yes, absolutely. Um, and so, um, like I said earlier, when I was introducing you, you're, you're a financial advisor. Tell, tell the people out there that might not know you just a little bit about your work history and, and, and who you are. Uh, yeah, no, no problem, Chalmer. Uh, I am president and founder of Diamond Wealth Advisors. 
It is a registered investment advisory firm. I founded it about three and a half years ago. Prior to that, uh, I was in the business of personal planning. I was with a, another firm and one of their top advisors in the country for about a decade. Uh, I finally came to the conclusion that uh, it was just in my client's best interest to to open up my own firm and and uh, avoid any conflicts of interest and uh, and just move forward in the way that I saw fit for my clients. I am a CPA and uh, a certified financial planner. So if I ever use the term CFP, that's what that stands for. And uh, and so so yeah, I basically provide clarity uh, with regards to people's financial lives and help them get where they want to go. Simply put. Good, good deal. And and so how long have you been doing this, Jim? Uh, my whole adult life. So, you know, this is the second decade here that I've been working on this. So about 15 years in the personal planning space. I was in corporate America uh, for a few years traveling all over the world uh, in, in, in that kind of environment. And I just realized I wanted to be a, a business owner. I didn't want the, the business owning me, if you will. And, uh, and so I, I chose the, the route of, of self-employment uh, after a few years in the corporate world. And then I, I did have some accounting experience and, and thus being a CPA. So I worked with a CPA firm for a few years in Center City, Philly as well. Okay. And so, uh, so what part of uh, Pennsylvania are you out of? Um, it's not Philadelphia. It's um... Carlisle. Good old Carlisle. Carlisle. Okay. How far is that from uh, Philadelphia or Pittsburgh? It's about two hours from Philly, uh, where I used to live, and then uh, two and a half to three from Pittsburgh. So kind of in the middle. Uh, we're about 20 minutes south of Harrisburg, southwest of Harrisburg. So it's okay. a the it's a wonderful place. The U.S. Army War College is here. Uh, Dickinson College is here. If you have a Corvette or know anyone that has one, they might know of Carlisle because they have this famous Corvette show every summer. So it's a cool little, cool little town. Nice, nice. And so with you being, you know, have this work experience under your belt for, for 20 years plus, what are some of the many reasons, excuses and stories why people don't save or invest their money? <laughs> we, this is a, this isn't supposed to be a, a multi-day showing, is it? <laughs> um, <laughs> why not? <laughs> No, I, I'm just kidding. Um, there's always excuses. Uh, I, I think that the, when you look at why people are successful financially, Chalmer, the mm -hmm. overwhelming reason is their behavior. And so that would also suggest it's the reason why people are not successful is their behavior. And so uh, I, usually, I guess if I would break down excuses, I would probably look at life stage. And what I mean by that is the younger someone is that gives an excuse as to why they 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 can't move forward it really has to do with they don't want to do without their money uh they would prefer the immediate gratification of spending it now and they just don't want to do without their money uh as people get older if they're making to use the word excuses or choose not to invest or save uh, it isn't as much about the want emotion uh, as I see it being about the can't emotion. They feel that they cannot do without their money. Mm -hmm. It doesn't mean mm -hmm. that they, they can't do without their money, but they feel that they cannot do without their money. And I think that causes people 
some some difficulties. And it's kind of where I come in as a financial advisor and, and other advisors all across the country is to create a financial plan uh, to, to help people create that vision. Um, because without a plan, uh, without goals for that plan, well, how do you measure it? How do you move forward accordingly? How do you know that you can have the confidence to to actually do that? And so I think I think the reason people don't save, I've heard every excuse in the book, but it really comes down to they don't want to or they don't feel they can. Yeah, yeah, and I would agree. I'm I'm reminded of a uh, scripture in the Bible that says, "Where your treasure is, that's where your heart lays." Yeah, Do you agree with that? Oh, 100 uh, percent. If I tell people, if you tell me how you what you're doing, uh, you know how you're living your life, you know how you're spending your money, you can I can tell you w- what's most important to you, what you value, and. Uh, that's where your heart is, where you're spending your money. Uh, I teach my kids to, to, to save first, to give next, and then to spend. And so I think those are, you know, a great order of importance. I'm not putting, you know, the self over, over God or charity in any way, but, but, you know, saving first, then giving next, saving, make sure you have money for a, a rainy day and for your future, then to give. Um, which always come back in, in multiples, as you probably know, and and then and then mm-hmm. defend what's left after those two. Yeah, and and I mean that's how I was taught as I was uh, in my later adult stages on, on how to understand money, uh, because the Bible says it's better to, to give than to receive. Yeah, and you were talking to me uh, during the pre-show. Uh, about why you believe your spending and saving habits start at the age of five or six. You want to expound on that? Yeah, yeah. It, it's kind of crazy. I, you know, our our world doesn't do a great job of teaching money or about money or saving at the high school or collegiate level. They just don't. Uh, now there are some wonderful nonprofits that do a great job, but it's not really part of our national curriculum, unfortunately. And it probably won't be for a while based on the pressures that our educational systems have. Part of my job as an advisor, as a, as a certified public accountant, as a CPA, and all these other credentials that I have, I have to have continuing education. I have to continue to learn and read up on my profession. My profession, as I said before, is extremely behavioral. So it makes sense for me to read up on the brain, psychology, neuroscience, how we make decisions. And what recent studies have shown uh, in neuroscience is that our brains form at the fastest rate when we're in that three to five, six year old range. Okay. And so they're doing so because of uh, without going too deep, basically the receptors in our brains are getting bigger and bigger and bigger. And then our brains get bigger and bigger and bigger. And so as kids, um, they're, they're trying to observe and learn. And so they're learning about reasoning at that time. And, and, and the way they, that children do so neurologically is a cause and effect relationship. Anyone who has kids understands that kids will do their best to get what they want. They will try to manipulate their parents. <laughs> right. and, and so like with a four to seven year old at home, I'm watching it right now. And so what I also found in, in research is that our habits, our, our unconscious habits are pretty much formed by age six, six or seven. And so 
Mm -hmm. So that's because of the way that our brains are formed and we're forming this cause and effect relationship. So if I do this behavior and this happens, then I, if it's a good thing, I keep doing it. If I do this behavior and it's a bad thing, uh oh, um, I'm not going to do it. I.e. I keep crying. They come to me. If I if I don't cry, then they don't come to me. And so our environment becomes extremely impactful on many, many different fronts. And so for me, if you look at it, the fact that finance is a behavioral thing, we're trying okay. to create positive habits. Our unconscious habits are pretty much formed by age six, knowing that in high school and college, unless you study finance, you're not really being taught about it. Mm -hmm. um, it just reasoned to me that I need to be reading something to my kids or teaching them at a young age. And so I started looking at at books out there that could teach kids about money really, really young. There's some stuff in in, you know, third grade and up that 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 um, does a wonderful job. But there wasn't anything at my kids age. And so that's why I wrote Larry the Bunny Saves His Money, because it's at that young age. It's the environment that cause and effect. The cause being if you save, then the effect is you can have a better life. You can have freedom. You can have more flexibility. You can have more choices. So if that's told to you enough and you see that cause and effect as a kid and that kind of becomes ingrained in your brain, planning that kind of savings chip, I see it only as a very positive thing for a child in their potential development. Which which kind of leads me into my second uh, or second to third segue. Um, you said you have a book out there, Larry the Bunny Saves Money. Yeah. And then you also have another book out that has been released for newly retirees as well. Yeah. You want to talk about that? Sure, sure, uh, Chalmers. So Larry the Bunny Saves His Money. Um, essentially, it was the book I wrote. It's what we were talking about. It just kind of hit me. Honestly, this is no joke. I came home from church one day and um, it literally just it came in my head and I wrote it down. And I said to my wife afterwards, I said, uh, you're not going to believe this. She said, what? I said, I, I just wrote a children's book. Uh, and she looked at me that uh, she wasn't surprised, but she just kind of smiled. Mm -hmm. And so um, Larry basically gets guidance from his dad. And Larry okay. gets paid in carrots. <laughs> and he gets 10 carrots for every month. And his dad gives him this wise counsel that says, every time you work and get your pay, save two carrots for another day. And then he moves on through different things in life that you need to do and each cost carrot carrots and that the book will show the reduction in the carrots and the different phases of life. And I think it's just a very engaging and fun book that parents can use to read their kids at night. Uh, my kids like it and uh, and hopefully, you know, maybe some of your viewers will be interested and, and like it, too. Uh, the the retirement book I've been working on for well over a year about 15 16 months and uh it's just basically about uh my whole my whole learning process with regards to having thousands of appointments over the years listening to people's concerns and worries about retirement what that looks like and and man i'll tell you you know the the, the, the there are many things that you read or watch on tv that would have you believe that the world's ending if you don't do this now or don't buy this newsletter or don't do that i mean there's so much information out there so my goal was to simplify a very complex topic so that people that are thinking about retiring or recently retired 
can can take that step forward and provide some clarity both emotionally and financially for their next chapter and hopefully their greatest chapter because it is a difficult transition and one of the things that this book does i think that's unique chalmer is and uh, i don't want to be you know gender focused here but i tend to see this more in men at the certain age when people are about to retire right now and it's this emotion that they don't want to talk about uh that they're kind of scared they're fearful about retirement a little bit. What are they going to do? What's that look like? Do I have right. enough money? And 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 it's very difficult to get it out of people sometimes. But once you do, um, it can be helpful. And, and the the book uses examples, and hopefully the reader will understand that these are common emotions. It's okay to feel this way. And here's what we do about it. Here's how we move forward. Here's what's next. And I've been able to through my years, two decades classify every single person that's about to retire in one of three categories. Each of those categories okay. is classified or categorized by a fruit. So our our brains work very visual. So you would read the book and understand which fruit you are and based on which fruit you are, you would know the steps you need to take, the risks involved and how to mitigate those risks for your successful retirement. So it's a visioning process of how you're going to live your life, what's next for you but also financially the underpinning the framework of what that looks like based on your fruit. And so you don't have to remember all 175 pages. You just need to remember what your fruit is and your brain will do the rest based on what's what's in the book. So I'm really excited about it. It's been a, a labor of love if you will. Well, I'm I'm excited for you um especially the ch- children's book being that I have a 7 and a five yeah. year old myself <laughs> and, and so um you know when we get off the phone here um i would like to personally purchase one of the books where where can if people were interested in either one book whether larry the bunny saves money and what's the name of the other book the fruitful retirement the fruitful retirement where can they find these books if they want to purchase yeah them? um they are out uh right now uh jimdegatano.com that's j i m d e g a e t a n o.com um but both are on Amazon. Uh Larry the Bunny actually just got a number 1 new release in children's books uh for money. So on its first day out, so that was awesome. And uh, the fruit nice. retirement just came out as well. So Larry the Bunny saves his money.com, the fruit for retirement.com. You can go to or you can go to Amazon and just look them up. Nice, nice, yeah. nice. And so, you know, you're a financial advisor, you've created books. You're giving the listeners today, you know, advice on on, on how to make right decisions with their money. Um, is there any if a person wanted to learn more about financial literacy? Sure. Do you have any recommendations for? Them? Sure. Um now now it all depends on on kind of maybe uh age and and what you're looking at. Uh I volunteer a lot with Junior Achievement. They do a good job if you're trying to help educate your kids from elementary to high okay. school. Junior Achievement, uh you can go and look them up. They have all kind of actually I know locally we have a pretty strong uh chapter here that we go in the high schools and help out where literally we we have one called Biz Town where literally kids they have a town set up so that literally kids act like they're they're living an adult life and paying for things and they do budgets and and all that stuff it's a whole day that the kids take off of school uh 
as part of the school curriculum for one day to learn. Uh, MyMoney.gov is a government sponsored website that basically provides basics of money. It has a sample budget there. It has banking basics there. So I think that does a, a very decent job for anyone that's just looking for some basic education. Uh, and then if you actually want to learn a little more um, outside of the, the financial advisor framework with if, if any of if any of you listeners do work with an advisor, uh, I'd urge you that if you have a young child or a young adult child, have your advisor sit down with them or ask if your advisor will. Uh, I know we do that all the time just to provide what I call finance one on one sessions with our young adults. Um, but there's a there's also a, an academy. It's called ConAcademy.org. K-H-A-N Academy.org. It's actually a nonprofit and the mission is to provide free education. So it's actually for all different subjects, but I found them to have some personal finance subjects on there, which is wonderful. It's completely free to the listener. So for, for the person that just wants to learn a little bit, you know, basic stuff, um, you know, feel, feel free to go on there. Uh, I think that could be, could be helpful. Yeah, man. And so, I mean, I think it's important, uh, not just for the sake of your book, but to educate ourselves in financial literacy, no matter what age we are, whether we're young, uh, teenagers, adults, young adults, middle-aged adults, or or even, um, you know, people that are, are 50, 60 years old. Would you 100%. Agree? It's, it's never too late to learn, never too late to... to um to be educated on a subject that uh, that is really important and there's no time like the present. Absolutely. And so I'm, I'm going to throw you a couple of curveballs because I was telling my wife right today yeah. that uh, who I was interviewing, she was like, well, let me, let me, can I ask you two <laughs> questions? I said, sure. sure. <laughs> I said, sure. I'll, I'll be sure to put it in, sure. you know, happy wife, happy I life. So I, uh, the questions that she had was, one, do you believe in giving kids an allowance for doing chores or things around the house? And then two, um, what is the key for sustainability? She said it's easy to save money. It's easy to invest in money. But when life gets hard, um, you find yourself breaking what you have saved just to survive or things like that. What is, what is the answer for uh, continual sustainability? Great questions. Tell your wife great questions. Uh, first, uh, well, being that we have kids about the same age, um, I did not grow up with an allowance, uh, it, you know, but I didn't grow up. We, we just kind of, uh, my parents, uh, they just had enough to kind of pay the bills. Uh, and, uh, okay. and, and so they, they did save, but, but it just wasn't in the cards for them. Uh, right now, I do not give my kids an allowance, but I plan to in the future when I feel that um, that they're ready. And, and the reason for that is I think it's important for them to understand you do something um, and, and in return for doing something, then then you may get something in return. Uh, and so it it depends on how one implements an allowance in my perspective. So if you're going to implement an allowance and just give it give it to them and 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 it's not something that is done with a certain discipline and adhered to, then it might not get the desired result. 
But if you do say, here's what an allowance is, okay? An allowance isn't just giving you money. I'm not giving you money, okay? What I am is I'm actually, you know, paying you for doing these chores, okay? And in return, you have the ability to choose what you're going to do with that money. And that's where the save, give, and spend comes in. And as a parent, the way our, as an adult parent, you probably know the way that the current saving system works for employers is you put money into the system and they're going to match you. Yet many people still don't put right. it in the system. It's free money, yet they don't do it. So why not build that habit, that behavior early on and say, look, if you save your money, I will give you, if you save a dollar, I'll give you a dollar to match that into your savings account. And if, if you give, mm -hmm. you know, a dollar, then I'll match another dollar just to get them, uh, accustomed to that behavior. And so mm -hmm. I do believe that allowance can be beneficial and fruitful because kids need to learn how to handle money. They need to learn what to do when they get it, because it's like, once they get out of the house, if they don't have any real experience with it, <laughs> it's it, it's like discipline it goes out the window so somehow we gotta enable that discipline in a positive way and right. i think that could be helpful and then you know the gifting thing is a whole nother conversation of having with the kids on on what that gifting means and, and why you would do it but but that's a, another conversation but yeah i think the allowance can be a, a very good thing if done the right way and then you can continue to uh move on on top of that so for example i don't know what you know Let's just say you're going to give a kid a dollar for a certain chore. Maybe you give them 50 cents and tell okay. them that you'll give them another 50 cents if they save it and put it in their piggy bank or put it in their bank account. So you're really giving them the dollar that you mm -hmm. plan on giving anyways. Um, so does that help? No, I think it helps. I mean, I, I, I can't really tell you what answer my wife was looking for. But when she goes back and hears this, I, I think any answer would, would be helpful for her. And so uh the next question was what do, what do you say to that person that's struggling to um sustain saving money or sustain investing their money after so many years or so many months they find themselves breaking it to yeah. survive what what is your well the first that? thing i would say is if if you have to touch for example an emergency savings or even investments due to you know an unforeseen event or an emergency that happens the first thing is it's a good thing you had it to begin with. Uh, so okay. there is there is certain a certain uh, percent of society that, that is just surviving and does not have enough money above the the, the poverty threshold to, to really save much. What comes in literally goes out to pay the bills. Um, and, and, right. and, and that that is difficult for someone to be able to invest. Who am I here to say you have to invest X percent of your dollars when they're just barely making it by, right? And so that's a different right. kind of conversation than someone who really is living and does earn a wage well above the living threshold, the living wage threshold, and has the ability to put aside. Um, and I always say you should have three to six months in savings set aside in emergencies. You might need more, uh, if, if you have other things going in your lot, going on in your lives that you're, you're looking to do, or you have a more complex situation, rental properties, whatever it may be, uh, or you just get paid yourself employed, you get paid 
uh, sporadically during the year. You're in a job that that is is very volatile, but you always need to have that money set aside in case something happens. And then the the, the mm-hmm. kind of fire and forget the save yourself the, the pay yourself first into your 401ks, your IRAs. You just you put that away and then you just kind of forget about it and move on and live what's what's after. So there are times that people have to take out of those particular buckets. Uh, ideally, that's not what you would want to do in an ideal scenario, but it could be a health situation, uh, not just for you. It could be for your family, your parents, your kids, your spouse. And and, and, and so that that could happen. Um, what I do suggest is when you are in a position, if you are in a position that you're living above a living wage and you're able to put money away and all that stuff, make sure you don't forget about protecting. Make sure you don't pre- forget about the insurance piece because your overall financial plan is literally like a stool. So when you sit on a bar stool, if it's got three legs on it, for example, just think of a three-legged stool. You got your cash, your savings, your cash management, your insurances, and then you got your wealth or investments. If you cut off any one of those stools, you're falling down. You can have the the best mm-hmm. investment plan, but if you can't manage your, your cash well, you're gonna eventually take from your investments for your daily. You can have enough in the bank and you can have enough uh, set aside for your investments, but if you don't have a proper insurance plan protecting with regards to your house or your auto, or even your life or disability, well then those are your investments and savings are going to go by if an emergency to that extent happens. So you really need a balanced plan. I mean, it's kind of similar to life, Chama, right? You need to live a balanced life, you know, to have a fruitful retirement, to have a fruitful life, you got to have a balanced one. And so I I would suggest that the sustainability of one's overall situation is going to come down to their balance. Well, man, that's the best way to uh, wrap up this episode and put a bow on it. <laughs> Thank you so much, Shamar. I, I Is, really, really greatly appreciate much gratitude with the upcoming um, uh, season five that you have here for having me as your first uh, podcast. Much appreciated, my man. Yeah, no, no problem. And so is there anything else you would like to leave with with the audience today regarding your book or regarding um, any financial advice? Yeah, you know, saving and investing your money is completely under your control. Um, I, I, you know, you can do this. Uh, All you got to do is take the step forward. Uh, If you're already doing it, kudos to you. Uh, I think the books that I've authored, uh, if you have kids seven or under grad grandkids, I think it'd be a wonderful read and something that could be wonderful for you to read to them. Um, if you're in the stage of about retiring or recently retired or know someone that is, the Fruit for Retirement, I think would be very positive information at a very opportune time for them as they're seeking out what's next. And, um, you know, behavior is, is, like I said, the reason it's successful. So. Um, establish that appropriate behavior early, continue with it often and do it with your kids. Be honest about money and, uh, and you'll succeed. Well, you've heard it first folks, save, give, and then spend. Then you heard it second, his two books, Larry, the bunny saves money. Second book, fruitful retirement. 
this is another reason why you should give to this podcast, Fatherhood Fridays, on anchorfm.com. You can do that by just going to Google, typing in Fatherhood Fridays with apostrophe S, looking for the Anchor FM. And when you when it pulls up, hit the link that says support and you can give anywhere from 99 cent to 4.99 to 9.99. By doing that, this allows me to continue to to create great content and allows this podcast to spread into multiple different cities, states, and now countries. Um, if you want to follow me, be sure to follow me on one of the eight uh, podcast platforms, such as Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher Breaker, Bullhorn Radio Public, just to name a few. Last but not least, uh, reshare this with somebody that needs to hear it. This has been another episode of Fatherhood Fridays with your host, MC or narrator Chalmer, and we are signing off with Jim Day Gatano. <laughs> yes, sir. All right. I will see you on the flip side. Thanks for thanks Thank for being you. on the show. All right. Talk to you later. And here's a sneak peek into next week's Fatherhood Friday episode. And so what was your process to recovering from burnout? Man, I broke down like a baby. <laughs> oh, man, I had to face the music, bro. The first thing I had to do was face the music that I was broken. Mm. As long as I didn't recognize that I was not, that I, I, wasn't, that I was broken, if I didn't face that, I would have went on. Nothing's wrong with me. I'm just perfectly fine. Mm-hmm. And I would have been just, you know, going off just like that. But it was like it haunted and I faced the music and it just broke. And it only, I had to go. Let me take it.